it's probably like um actually it's probably inappropriate so we'll talk about it later no say it john no i i think wait yeah you turned it on already you jerk your computer tells you when i turn it on i know but i was i was on the wrong tab (laughs) well that's not my fault i can't be deceptive if you're the one who's not paying attention welcome back to catechize the podcast where we discuss the historic reformed confessions and catechisms i'm your host josh with me, as always, is my co-host, St. John the Divine. We're back with a footnotes and proof text after season six, uh, before we start season seven, which is our season on the means of grace, looking at uh, preaching, the, the sacraments, and, and things like that. Uh, we just finished kind of... And prayer. Well, it introduces prayer, which is yeah. then expanded in the last season, which is the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. So we've got uh, we've got a handful of episodes planned. Or we've got the rest of the episodes mapped out, really, for the for the shorter catechism, which is crazy. Um, oh yeah! So we're like twenty some episodes away. Josh, it's it's funny to think about. You know, it's uh, thinking back to our first episode or two in your old apartment building around mm-hmm. that round table. Around that round table, which I think is now my kitchen table. It is. Um, yeah, we yep. uh, bequeath so, that onto you. Also, whenever that... I see it, I a tear rolls down my cheek. Josh ate at this table. Wow. Uh, okay, so maybe not. Moving. But also, that first recording required so much editing <laughs> for so many reasons. Like we didn't really know what we were doing, and also, um, I didn't really know how the editing software worked. So I like at one point twinged the lineup of our two tracks oh and yeah so i had to cut and snip and move and i was like oh gosh how do i make it so that <laughs> our responses are timed at the right time and we recorded yeah. in the same room and our levels were wrong so sometimes my recording caught the faint echo of yours and i had to make that match precisely with yours otherwise it sounded really weird we've come dang. a long way dang that sounds awful but yeah we've come a long way so anyway today footnotes and proof texts yes um the we we, um inspired by one of the questions that we got at the end of last season um we are doing a footnotes and proof text that's basically an episode discussing uh theological comfort or or comfort to be found in theological truth um kind of hoping to be a bit pastoral and um and, and kind of we spend a lot of time talking about kind of the right doctrine and correct teaching and understanding the faith and and how um and and knowing i guess what what we ought to believe and what we think the bible teaches us um and uh it's good even though this podcast is like meant to meet a specific need and it's not supposed to be like <laughs> yeah an all-encompassing like replacement for pastoral care or whatever oh, or, yeah. or theological yeah. education um, it's meant to facilitate those things. Um, it, it is good to remember that theology is not some cold academic discipline, but one where um, we are privileged to study and know the God who has made himself known and uh, to to grow in our love of God uh, in accordance with our knowledge of who he has shown us that he is. Um, mm-hmm. And that from that knowledge, from that knowledge and, and the subsequent love of God that comes from knowing God, um, there's a great comfort to be found in um, in theological truth. And so we're just going to kind of walk through four big topics or four big focal points that we kind of came up with um, regarding comfort from theological ideas. Uh, and then, and then we'll kind of wrap up. Yeah. Sweet. Well, let's, uh, let's get moving. I know this episode got... will probably take like four hours cause we'll take our time. <laughs> you've got nothing to, you've got no more, no more, introductory matters John? oh i mean i mean i think um well first of all you did a great job of covering it that's Josh. so nice wanna wow. affirm you. oh my but gosh. no <laughs> what i was gonna say is i think i think it's true that we're not trying to do like a holistic you know replace the pastor sort of podcast by any means we would but be I, immediately disqualifying ourselves if that's what yeah, we were doing <laughs> yeah but i but i do think um with the amount of heady stuff we talk about kind of like i I think it's important as sort of a balance or as a reminder that, you know, theology is not just like a, all right, now go to seminary, study this, and ta-da! Like, theology is not just like a a textbook type of thing. Theology is good for you. Theology, you know, applied to your life is a great thing. Great for your faith, 
both so that you know what you believe, but, but also so that you have confidence and comfort in the God that you believe in. You know the God that you're relying on more deeply as you study him more. And when you realize that, you realize that his greatness and his love and all that he has done for you to a greater extent. And so I think there's sort of a, an important benefit to this episode because it um, it focuses on that. It draws attention to the fact that there is true power and value to studying theology more so than just, oh, now I can take down my Catholic friend with such and such an argument, you know. Um, with so much more than that yeah cool what are you gonna say about i was that? gonna say which uh do it with grace and kindness uh but do it <laughs> I because knew, i knew you <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um but yeah i was actually uh, John. just just a quick just a quick tangent or not tangent but thing related to what i was saying i was i was in a class recently and one of the professors said that when he was in seminary a lot of the uh a lot of the time he was thinking like it with that mindset, Oh, this will be really great when I take, you know, in a debate against my atheist friend and stuff like that. And then he realized as it was going on, he was like, man, I'm hearing all this stuff, but rather than applying it to my own life, I'm just thinking of how I can use it in an argument. And, and he was like, Brutal. and after I realized that was the case and started to make a change, seminary was so much better. And I, and I think I'm there's sure a lot of value in that and a yeah. good reminder to me because I think, and probably to you as well, Josh, because I think we both have a tendency to be a little, uh, uh, yeah, a little, uh, I'm, I don't seek arguments, <laughs> although I have been, I've been labeled a sexist at my new school because I told them that I think the Bible teaches that men are supposed to be pastors. Uh, um, and, well, and that was a very, very new idea for many at this school. We, we, they've, I mean, they, they secretly say that it's a sexist idea, but we've had very, very good conversations, but, but no, I don't go seeking, I don't go seeking arguments. I'm not, I'm, no. I, but I, I don't, uh, I don't run from them either. <laughs> yeah. I, and I do enjoy them. Yeah. I um, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have lumped you in there. I no, just no, I, no, I no. That way too. But anyway. All right. Um, so our topics today then to, to kind of try and do this, uh, this, uh, apply theology to the, to the soul of the of the believer so that we might know the comfort that God intends for us to know. Um, first, um, in, inspired by the question that we got is a, a, a more specific return and look at assurance of salvation. Um, mm. And then look at the, the ministry of Christ's intercession. We've talked about this, I think both with assurance in the past. Um, and when we looked at kind of the, the catechism questions about Jesus, but we'll, we'll look at it more again, intentionally and, and specifically yeah. here. Um, and then kind of look at this um, application, this tangible application of theological principles that like there are theological truths that it's like, it's good to know that. And that's good knowledge theologically, but actually that, that knowledge is very directly applicable in very tangible, comforting ways. That'll make more sense when we get there. Um, and then we are going to look briefly at this idea that, there's a piece that passes understanding before wrapping up. So without further ado, uh, the, the inspiration for this episode was from uh, a question that we got right at the end of, of last season from Rebecca, who's written into us before. Uh, we have a handful of really faithful um, catechumen question askers, uh, and, and she's one of them. And, it's always great to hear from her and everyone else. And yeah. this question, it was, it was a good email and I'm going to abridge it for the sake of making yeah. this work better. <laughs> uh, but yeah. basically she asked, um, um, how do we know that the spirit is in us? And there was a lot of good theological observation and conclusion leading up to this, but, but how do we know that the spirit is in us and how do we know that we are one of the, all the believing uh, in quoting John three sixteen and, um, or, or how do we know that we are one of those who we, the Father has given to the Son, who the Son will not lose but raise in the last day? How do we know that yeah. those realities are true of us? And and part of this question was the was the John three sixteen meme, which I've seen before from one of my Greek students actually, um, <laughs> and it's this classic like debate between um, Arminians and Calvinists, where the Arminian says, 
well, John 3.16 says whosoever. Uh, and then a person corrects them with the the, the, the Greek that is pas ha pistuon, uh, which translates not to whosoever in the sense that whoever wants to is in, but, yeah. it, but what that means is all the believing ones for God so loved the world. Um, that he gave his only son, that all the believing ones should not perish, but he have eternal life. Um, mm. and, and and it's a funny name for for theology nerds. Um, yeah. But also <laughs> it does it does then kind of connect to the question: um, How do we know that we are the the believing ones, the ones who have the Spirit? Um, and uh, the Rebecca quoted Romans eight sixteen: The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. How do we know that the Holy Spirit is in us? Um, and and that is, that's ultimately, I think, um, the question of assurance. Because you can look at all of these promises that God has made, whether it be the ones that we listed above, um, or the promises like, I'll never leave you or forsake you, or um, God who began a good work and you will raise you up in the last day, or will bring it to completion in the last day, or um, uh, that God works all things for the good of those who love him and and all of that stuff. How do we know that we are recipients of all of these many good promises of God? Because it's one thing to be like, that sure is a good promise. Um, and it's another to have confidence that you are a recipient of that promise. Like it's no good if John is sitting in the room with his brother and I look at his brother and I say, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. Um, that's a promise and it's a good one, but it's to John's brother and not to John. So it's not good yeah. news to John. Um, yeah. So there is no comfort for John if that is the case. So how do we know that we're not just the other person in the room? Um, that's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I, I feel like this is something, I think this is a great question. I feel like it's something I've personally often sort of struggled with. You know, I feel like... Uh, we, we talked about Tulip way back in the day, and I, I think it was there maybe um, where I shared I sort of had trouble with the perseverance of the saints, one, not in the theoretical sense of, you know, um, well, of course the elect are saved, but in the sense of, well, of course the elect are saved, but the that's not the issue. The issue is how do I know if I'm elect or not? Right. And, and if the answer is the perseverance of the saints, well, then how do you, who's in the middle of your life, have any confidence that you will persevere into the end? Yes. Yep. Exactly. Um, like, how do I know that I'm not going to abandon ship when I'm 48 or whatever? Yeah. Um, and that's a, like, that's a, that's a, a great question. That does raise a good distinction that like perseverance of the saints and assurance of salvation are different things. And yes. even perseverance of the saints has two sides to its coin. One of them is that the, that the saints perse persevere to the end. Like the, the elect are known by their perseverance, by the fact that they don't abandon the faith um, yeah. and that they, that they remain in Christ, whether that is a stumbling remaining or a remaining that includes wandering or not, the saints, the elect, do persevere to the end in one form or another. They get there. Mm. Um, but it's also a promise. It's it's a command to persevere, but it's also a promise that God says that he will preserve those who are his. That those who are his, those who do really belong to him, will persevere to the end because it's God who keeps them. It's Christ who does not lose his those who have been given to him. It's Christ who does promise to raise you in the last day. Because you will not be lost by the work of Christ, you will not be lost. Um, and that's the promise of perseverance. And then assurance, as our professor, I think we're in the same class with this, said is the, it's, a, it's a gift normally given to the people of God by the Spirit of God that assures them spiritually that they do belong to God. It's a spiritual mm -hmm. gift that is distinct from the promise and uh, command of perseverance. Yeah. And it's, and that's that, that intangible, like, I, I do feel like I, I am assured. I like, I know, like I can say with confidence, I, I belong to God because God by his spirit is working confidence in me. And yeah. that confidence that is assurance of the faith, I think is, is uh, affirmed and edified and validated in a handful of ways. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's right. And I, like you mentioned, Josh, one of the one of the most important ways we can have any sort of assurance. And like I said, this is something 
first of all, you know, for you who are listening, this is something I can totally, and many Christians can totally relate with you on. So, um, so solidarity there, you know, (laughs) but, um, but what I'd say, I think oftentimes one of the ways that we can get a feel for, you know, because it's it's hard to tell necessarily in ourselves. Yeah, I just feel the Holy Spirit burning powerfully with me within me. There's a tongue of fire over my head most of the time. <laughs> like it's sometimes hard for us to tell in our specific, you know, by ourselves, sort of our our condition <laughs> in a way. Um, but the the valuable thing is that in the Bible, it is clear that the purpose of Christians is to be together in community in the body of Christ and the family of God. And so with with that realization in mind, one of the most valuable ways we can experience and um, feel the, the blessing of assurance is by being in that community um, and having others around us who can speak into our situation and can say, you know, like, man, it's great to see how you've grown lately and how, you know, God is working in your life and is bringing you you know, bringing you closer to him. You know, I've, I've been friends with you for years now, and I've just seen this development and growth. Um, and it's, yeah, so it's great to have that sort of situation where you have friends to say that, or conversely, you know, someone say maybe like, hey, this is something that I see in your life that maybe you could work on. But that doesn't, that shouldn't be used as a contrast to assurance. Um, <laughs> but, but, the, but the point being basically like, um, people speaking into your life who can see you from the outside. Uh, it, you know, it's sort of like this. It's like when you're on a diet, you know how like um, in the day-to-day you can't really you can't really notice weight loss. You're not like, oh man, I'm, you know, I can see so much progress from yesterday. It's like it just doesn't really work that way typically. Um, but you can see that over time in the long haul to the point where someone who maybe sees you only, you know, he hasn't seen you in a month. It's like, oh, this person's, you know, losing a little weight. Or if you haven't seen him in a year, you're like, wow, huge change. Um, and so I think oftentimes having someone on the outside or having many people on the outside who can speak into our lives, who have been watching us for the course of it and have can see, oh, yeah, I remember the last time they were here. And look at this development. That is super valuable um, and super encouraging as a Christian, reminding us that you know what we have fellow believers, brothers and sisters around us who can affirm us and remind us of our you know our certainty in Christ. And I think that's a really important aspect of the church that we sometimes overlook. No, I think that's I think that's huge. And that like providentially, not luckily. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, providentially, <gosh>. sorry. <laughs> Between no, planning right. this episode and re- recording this episode, my men's group actually studied assurance of salvation as part of our, our study. Oh, and one of the nice. things that as we were talking, I kind of helped me express m- my understanding of assurance is, is, is this kind of triune assurance of salvation um, that, that a lot of Christians, maybe particularly Lutheran and some Reformed, say, I look at my baptism, I look at my baptism, and I know that I belong to God. Uh, And, or or I look to, and that's like, yes, the the baptism is the sign of the covenant, the sign of the promise, the sign that the promises of God have been given to you. And so when you ask, how do I know that the Spirit is in me, or that I am one of the all the believing, or I'm one of the ones given by the Father, the Son, or whatever the other promises are, you look at your baptism, and your baptism is not something you did, and it's not a sign of something you have done. It's not a sign that I believe. Um, it's not a sign that I, whatever, uh, that I have done enough. Uh, baptism is a sign that God has marked you off as one of his. Um, and mm. so in baptism, the father kind of symbolizes his promises to his people. Uh, and then the son in history has accomplished all that was necessary to guarantee those promises. Um, he mm. has defeated death uh, and lived righteously and suffered for sin um, and raised, uh, been raised to new life. And his ministry, his life, death, and resurrection is the guarantee and the accomplishing of the promises that are offered by the Father. And then the yeah. Spirit um, brings out the fruit of that salvation in the believer. Um, that over time, the believer is conformed more and more into the image of Christ. 
and the present work of the spirit in the ones who have faith, all the believing um, in the, in, in this life, the spirit's work is, is shown in our fruitfulness. And sometimes when yeah. people say, well, look at how you've changed the way that we interpret that is I have to look at how good I've been. And if I've been good mm. enough, then I can have assurance. But that again, every step of your life and salvation is a work of God. Yeah. From you being marked as his in, in, in the, in the signing and sealing of your baptism from you being redeemed by the work in history of Jesus Christ to the actual shaping of you by the Holy spirit into a more sanctified person. All of that is a work of God. Uh, and we yeah. should look at them with the corresponding like detail that, they, that it makes sense to look to look at your baptism very specifically. It's a very specific instant that symbolizes the promises of God are yours. Uh, look to the whole life of Christ um, and and the, the totality of what he accomplishes for you to know the guarantee of your, your salvation because it's all been done and won already. And then look mm. at the big picture of the Spirit's work. Don't look at the end of one day where you're like, I've done more bad things today than good things, so I should probably doubt my salvation. Yeah. Look look at yourself today versus yourself a year ago and, and see the way that the Spirit has made you more patient or more kind or more even like, like hospitable um, or whatever it is that you struggled with, less that. Um, look at the big picture. Look at the details yeah. of the Father's promise in baptism and Christ's work as a whole but look at the large long game of the Holy spirit shaping you and remember yeah. again, that every step of the way, it is the work of God that makes you his. And that's why we have assurance because at no step from the, the foreknowledge and election of the father um, symbolized in his baptism in the baptism that points to his promise through the work of Christ to to the present work of the Spirit, it is all the work of God. You're assured of your salvation because it's not it's it's not your business to accomplish it. Um, yeah. And so that triune picture really, I think, I think is comforting. Yeah, look at the no, way I, that the triune God has saved me. I think that's great. What you said, I Josh, I think I I want to say I shared this on here. Have we talked about this? The like how um, your growth, you shouldn't measure, like, it's sort of like a person walking with a yo-yo up and down, but walking up a flight of stairs. Yeah, we've talked <laughs> so, about this. Yeah, I think we have. Basically how um, when you look at your growth on the day-to-day, -day, it's like, yeah, okay, man, I was, last week I was just doing such a better job with my faith. I feel like I'm doubting so much this week. Um, and so, you know, we think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have confidence in my salvation. I'm like falling away or something like that. Um, but when you look at the grander picture of your life, you can see how far you've come and how how much you've improved and grown and been sanctified through the process of being a Christian, through the steady means of grace. And so in that sense, like I said, it's sort of like the uh, the yo-yo and that you're going up and down still. But it's the steady progression of going up and down as you walk up a flight of stairs, yeah. and so it's it's increasing, um, even as there are are times of downward movement. Sure. Um, so yeah, I I always think I always think that's a comforting reminder, especially when I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm in one of the trenches, or you know the downward parts where I'm like, oh man, like I've just been stressed, I've been worried, I haven't been you know as focused in. Uh, doing devotional times and stuff, man, maybe I'm, you know, like you start to take those moments and you, and you think like, oh no, that's the, the like, this is, I'm f flying downward, you know, flying to hell and, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I think, um, I think it's really valuable what, what you described and to remember the longer view yeah, of how cool. God uses us. And yeah. So good the, stuff. Look at the work of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, and and be comforted and assured of your salvation. Or repent and believe the good news that Jesus Christ has uh, come and, and won salvation for you, and your sins have been dealt with, uh, and you have been made righteous uh, uh, by grace through faith. Either or. And then after that, be assured. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, it's a, is it J.I. Packer? I can't remember who it is, but he has a quote that's something. Oh man, I should have looked it up, Josh. Um, but it was, you're so upset. it, It was something to the effect of, I, I think it was J.I. Packer. I need not worry, um, about, um, like God, you know what? Give me a sec, Josh. I wrote it down. Oh wait, no, it's not J.I. Packer. Okay, so it's a quote from John Flavel. It says, As God did not at first choose you because you were high, he will not now forsake you because you are low. And I always think that's a comforting quote. That is good. With that, let's move to the next thing, intercession of Christ. It's related because one of the comforts and the assurance of salvation that we have is that part of our assurance which is in the work of Christ, is that because of Christ's completed work, he intercedes for his people at the Father's right hand. Um, And I'm going to read a collection of verses from Hebrews. Um, I'll give you the citations in a second, and then I'll read through them without differentiating. Um, But the intercession of Christ is a comforting ministry. Um, Just hear these words from Hebrews and know that this is daily what your Lord and Savior does for you. Um, yeah. and, and be comforted by the fact that that the, the that the eternal Son and Redeemer of uh, the world and Savior of His people is standing at the right hand of the the, the Maker and um, Author of redemption and pleading your case according to the words of Hebrews. This it yeah. is abundantly comforting and good news to know that this is the way that Christ is caring for you. This is this is Christ's present ministry for his church right now. Um, and I'm going to be reading Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, Hebrews 7, 22 through 25, Hebrews 8, 1 and 2, and Hebrews 10, 12 through 14, and then 19 through 25. Um, and, and again, just kind of cruising right through those. Um, and And again... This is the the present ministry of Christ for His church, and it's it's a it's a comforting message. Uh, Since then, we have a great High Priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a High Priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy. To, and find grace to help in time of need. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, the mm-hmm. point of what we are saying is this we have such a high priest one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the tent that the Lord set up, not man. But when Christ had offered for a time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Therefore, brothers, Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through a curtain that is through his his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That uh, that seals the deal on the previous section, I think, in, in terms of assurance of our salvation. But it also, again, like every little bit of of our salvation and every little bit of what we are meant to be is rooted in the reality that right now Jesus is interceding for us. 
Yeah. Um, Jesus is interceding for us so that we might have confidence that we belong to him. Jesus is interceding for us so that our innocence is proclaimed because of his blood that has washed us clean. Jesus intercedes for us so that we have access to the throne of God. We, each of us, uh, as, as uh, royal priests of his holy nation, have access to the throne of God because Jesus intercedes for us because he has made a way by his accomplished work. Um, because Jesus intercedes for us, we are able to do the good works that God asks of his people. Uh, because of Christ's intercession, our gathering together uh, and stirring one another on brings about the faithfulness of each other and the church. Because of yeah. Christ's intercession, we can have um, peace and the confidence in our hope and the hope of our salvation and the guarantee of the fullness uh, and completeness of what God has done for us that enables us to then go live because Jesus is interceding for us right now. Yeah. It's just such a, it, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, f first of all, I am a, I'm a huge Hebrews fan. Yeah. And I know you are as well. And I know all Christians should be, it, but it, it is increasing in terms of like books that I really like going to. Yeah. I, I've always, the Hebrews four passage you read is one of my all time favorite passages. And I find it to be, you know, extremely comforting always because it's such a constant reminder of basically the work of Christ on our behalf and what he does for us. I remember, uh, this was, I think, this is uh, the basically the the question related to um, how is how does Christ execute the office of a priest? And I remember it talks about you know once up offering up of himself a sacrifice to satisfy divine justice, but then at the end it it adds um, and to make continual intercession on our behalf. Um, and I for some reason you know I was in this sort of theological mindset where I'm like, oh yes, priestly office, you know, here's how the work of Christ exhibited priestly, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then when I read that part at the end, how it's not just about the fact that Jesus offered himself as a once for all sacrifice, although that's obviously, you know, enormous. Um, but in addition to that, Christ is continually to this very day doing work on our behalf in the throne room of God interceding for us, um, taking our concerns to the Father. And what an amazing promise that is. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah. So I, that's very comforting for me. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm tempted to try and like, be like, this is why it's comforting. But, but I think the reality of it is the reason it's comforting. Like yeah. it's comforting that, that the, the 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 one who made and redeemed you is pleading your case at the at the right hand of the Father on the basis mm -hmm. of His meritorious accomplishment of salvation, like the fact that Jesus said, "I have made you mine." The Father has given to you. I have made you mine, and I am I am pleading your case to the Father. I am. I have made a way, and I am pleading the, the case of that way, and I. Ugh. That that yeah, I think just the reality of it is the reason that it's a comfort, and I don't yeah. I don't know unless there's questions. I don't think it needs to be belabored anymore. Yeah, be comforted by the reality that Jesus intercedes for you, yesterday, yeah. today, and tomorrow, and cool. forever, Josh. And is forever. what you meant to say. What I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I used the wrong terminology. <laughs> mea culpa, mea culpa, <laughs> mea maxima culpa. Maxima. <laughs> That's the Latin man. I had man, I, I I have Catholic friends, all right? Did you take any Latin? No, I want to. We've I talked know, about can. this before. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I would I would have taken a Latin course if it was offered. I think it would have been good for me. Yeah. All right, next. Um <laughs> uh so we theological principles with a tangible application. So um, we've looked at assurance of salvation, the intercession of Christ, which both contributes to assurance of salvation and is, is an independent comfort. Knowing that Jesus intercedes for you, is an it's a comforting reality. And then yeah. beyond that, or the next one is this idea that theological principles have tangible application. And that's our way to try and make what we want to talk about sound smart. Um, <laughs> but the, the idea that kind of, I guess, motivated me here 
is the reality of Jesus' assertion that the truth sets you sets you free. Um, yeah. And the truth, like, and this like phrase has been like abused by pop culture yeah the truth will set you free and it's like some angry lawyer in court Um, you can't handle the truth yeah it's a different thing but yes (laughs) um (laughs) sorry (laughs) uh, john yeah i always love i always love a love a reference um uh i I mean i actually do but we need but let's focus Um, yeah i digress (laughs) um but yeah like it's it's this like abuse thing that's like it's like some lawyer uses to like put an exclamation point on the end of his speech and everyone's like, Oh, or it's some conviction, whatever it's, it's abused by pop culture. Um, and the ultimate theological reality is that Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth and the life. And Jesus is the truth who sets free his people. Um, Jesus is the truth who who redeems and sets free his people from sin and death and their slavery to the, and bondage to those things. Jesus is the literal capital T truth who in the most, eternal and existential way liberates his people. But that principle also has tangible application. Like the truth that we have been set free from sin releases us from guilt. Still, even in the theological realm, the truth that Jesus has set us free from sin releases us from guilt, which is Paul's whole point, which is like when Paul in Romans says, who can bring a charge against God's elect? He's saying that when the accuser, when Satan, when the adversary like points to all your sin and says, look how guilty you are. That charge falls dead because the truth is that we have been set free from sin by the work of Christ. And this, this is something that Martin Luther really emphasizes. Um, and he's like in his kind of personal struggle with the torment of sin and the accusations of the devil. And that's yeah. kind of a famed part of his biography. Um, but that's a good reality that, that when we're burdened by guilt, and that doesn't mean like if you do something, just be like, I'm forgiven, moving on. Yeah. Uh, like repent. <laughs> it's not antinomianism. Right. Repent uh, appropriately to God and the people you wronged. Uh, but But don't like guilt has no place to linger. Because the truth is that you've been set free from sin and your guilt has been dealt with. And so being burdened by guilt is, you can be liberated that by the knowledge of the truth that Jesus is the truth that sets you free from sin. And then to kind of continue down that train, um, like the truth concerning the situations of our life, um, uh, or, or when you see the truth concerning some situation in your life, you are freed from the negative aspects of that situation. So um, like, I think we can maybe make this more specific by looking at the commands of God. Like God says, do not be anxious. That's a command that God gives. Yeah. And and pe- and yet the, the logical or maybe natural response is, well, that's nice, but I am anxious. So, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so not, not very helpful to just say, well, tr- have you tried not well, being that though? Don't. Yeah. Just don't. Um, and, and uh, like there's, there's anxiety f- the full reality of, um, anxiety and psychological and, uh, uh, whatever else, um, is attached with anxiety issues and disorders and all of that is a different conversation. Um, but, but generally like the command to not be anxious is not some like ignorant person yelling at someone who's anxious. Have you tried stopping being anxious? Um, it is, it is a command, um, that is a call to embrace the truth of God's promises. Um, not don't be anxious because there aren't any causes for worry, but don't be anxious because in spite of all of the causes for worry, the truth is that God has um, overcome and conquered and freed you from all of that. Maybe you're anxious because uh, uh, emotional abuse in the past from family, friends, or a relationship has left you feeling like you are insignificant and only ever do wrong. Um, and, and so mm. you're anxious that you'll only ever always upset people. Um, and knowing the truth that that worry comes from uh, a false origin in the the hateful 
um, wrong done to you by someone else, un- like knowing and not just being like cognitively aware, but like incorporating the knowledge of that truth in your life enables you to not to be anxious, not as if it's an on off switch, but to combat that anxiety with the knowledge of the truth that the thing that is causing you to be anxious is not real. Um, mm. And this isn't just, again, like some kind of simplistic um just believe and then your anxiety goes away or or uh like well if you're having anx- if you're having anxiety then you're not trusting in the promises of god enough that puts that that those angles make the promises of god a thing that are merited by our efforts that's not the truth setting you free that's you setting you free which is <laughs> garbage trying <laughs> trying to set yourself right. free right yeah right but but again the truth um ultimately and over time it is the truth of god's work and god's character and presence similar with fear god says don't fear but he doesn't say fear because fear is illegitimate he says don't be afraid because in spite of all of the reasons to be afraid i am with you um he he tells joshua as joshua is about to lead israel into battle against people who are externally speaking far stronger um he says be strong and courageous not because Joshua is supposed to be ignorant or neglectful of the threat, but because God is with him. Um, and that principle applies to the rest of the realities where we are commanded these things. Um, anxiety, don't be anxious and do not fear or not ignore the problem or pretend it away, or you've just got to believe hard enough and it'll be gone. Mm-hmm. But they are promises that in light of who God is, um, these and the truth of who God is and the truth of how God has dealt with the causes of your anxiety your fear your whatever in light of that, like in light of who God is and how he has done with that, look at the truth of the situation and that fear is dealt with that anxiety is done away with. And again, it's not an on off switch that'll happen instantaneously, but the path to freedom from anxiety and fear is rooted in the knowledge of God and who he is and what he has done for his people. And the truth sets us free from whatever sin it is that entangles us, uh, whether it be the ones ex- exemplified here or not. Yeah, I think, um, so to go back briefly to something you mentioned earlier, I think when it comes to um, guilt, um, we often, I, basically, related to what you mentioned about Luther, um, I think it's a helpful reminder that um, because the truth sets us free, because we have freedom in Christ, uh, things like uh, shame and guilt are not really the works of the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit is like, man, you are really pretty terrible. And, you know, remember that thing you did three years ago? I'm going to, like, really attack you for it permanently, even though you already feel bad about it. The Holy Spirit convicts us, you know, so if we're doing something that we shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit convicts us, okay, maybe I should stop doing that. I shouldn't do that. I should repent of that. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just grind grind our faces into the dirt, like, day after day with, um, you know, with shame and guilt for these things. That's not the way the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is the opposite. He convicts us of wrongdoing so that we can flee from sin and experience the joy of Christ. Um, and so if you're experiencing shame and guilt, that is um, typically speaking um, not something that the Holy Spirit does. That's something that the devil does. Yeah. <laughs> the, the devil is the one who wants us to constantly feel this uh, pain of like, ooh, God's probably not going to forgive you for that. God's going to leave you out to dry for that one. Um, and so that is not the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then with just a super well, brief. Can oh, I, go ahead. Like, yeah, I, I go think ahead. that, I think that's great. And I think the way that, man, that's really good um, to, to put it in a pithy phrase, like the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you. The Holy Spirit doesn't convict believers of repented and dealt with sin. Yeah, that's good. Like, if it's been repented of, if it's been addressed, it's done. Yeah. If if it, it, and um and the Holy Spirit won't doesn't convict of of sin that has been repented of and dealt with, um, and so the shame and guilt that we are so tempted to linger on, 
is not a work of the spirit. And then say, so what were you going to say? Yeah. Well, the last thing I was going to say that don't be anxious. Um, there's, um, <laughs> this is a weird, you're going to love this reference, Josh. Oh boy. I'm so um, excited. It's um, basically, there is a section in the Harry Potter books. If you're a Harry Potter fan, Ooh. there's a part where Harry is, is supposed to be doing something that would be dangerous he's he's doing something dangerous and so he's kind of nervous about it and but dumbledore the headmaster the super wizard you know um greatest wizard basically of the age is with him and book um, six yeah i think it's book six and um uh harry basically is like but won't like basically expresses nervousness about this and dumbledore goes don't worry and harry goes why and dumbledore goes because you're with me basically to say it doesn't matter what you're going to face in this situation. I'm with you in this, and I'm freaking Dumbledore. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm and, freaking Dumbledore, he said. <laughs> and so, and but even to a greater extent, that is how it is with, um, with God. You know, do not be anxious, says God. Our response, oh, but God, look at all this stuff I got. You know, this is good. How could I not be anxious? And God says, well, don't worry about it. And you're like. Why can you say that? And he says, because you're with me. Basically, God is with you in in the situation of difficulty to the point that the thing you're facing is not that it's nothing, but that his greatness and his support of you far surpasses it. Yeah. Um, And I think that is sort of the idea of the um, an aspect of the idea that, um, you know, there is comfort in the commands of God because he is with us. All right, last little thingy. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So uh, the last idea that we want to talk about is how um, the Bible and God and his word has encouraged us encouraged us in, in speaking about peace that passes understanding. And I think in, in somewhat of a contradictory and maybe ironic way, <laughs> we, we want to understand the peace that passes understanding. Um, and, and we want to to make sense of how I can have peace when I shouldn't have peace. But yeah. the whole point is that it passes understanding. Like it is a peace that that should not make sense. And rather yeah. than trying to understand the peace that passes understanding, we should ask for it. Um, and that doesn't mean just have unexamined or thoughtless faith or um, or or like. I'm just, I'm just at peace, you know, because yeah, like it's not an empty thing, but it's, it's, it's confidence and peace that's rooted in the person and work of God and a knowledge of his very character, his unchanging nature. And in light of those realities, in light of the confidence and peace that we have because of who God is and what he's done and knowing him and his nature and character, the fact that it doesn't change, I can have peace when everything around me says that I shouldn't. And so yeah. Ask God, the, the father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Ask him for peace when you feel no peace. Don't, act, don't expect or, or, or seek or strive to understand the peace that is given. But ask for peace when you ought not have it. Uh, because God does give us peace that, that really doesn't make sense given circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, I was, um, was going to say, I think a lot of... It's not bad. It's not a bad thing to be um, reasonable as a human. Reasonable in the sense of reason. Dare I say it's a good thing. Yes. (laughs) Reason oriented. (laughs) But I think that sometimes has given us the impression that all the truths of the Bible, like in their in their deepest, you know, levels are available to our puny minds to fully grasp. (laughs) And when in, you know, in all honesty, you know, God's ways are not our ways. Um, and, and so, um, Isaiah 55 for you. Nice. Um, but, um, but yeah. And so when it comes to God's peace, it's not a peace because we can decipher it. It's a peace because we know God has offered it to us and we can trust in God. And, and we so, know what the God who has offered it is like. Yes. Yep. It's so, not. It's not a mindless piece. Yeah. It's not a just shut off your brain sort of. <laughs> but uh, like any, anything like that. Yeah. Go ahead, Josh. I was sorry. I interrupted you too much. Um, no, that's okay. 
but it's like like a lot of times we have peace when it makes sense to have peace and 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 it's like well um the the storm is scary but i uh but i'm in a boat and so it makes sense and it's a it's a really big good strong boat and so i have peace and my peace is rooted in the fact that the situ like i i can reason my way to peace given the situation yeah um and here uh, the peace is not rooted in the knowledge of the situation. It's rooted in the one who rules over the situation. Um, and so it's like, there is no way to find peace in this circumstance, except that I know God. And so it's, it's peace that passes understanding is not peace without understanding. It's just a change in the object of the understanding. Y- you have peace that passes understanding because of your knowledge and understanding of who God is, not because of your knowledge and understanding of the situation. Yeah. Uh, and so put, put, make the, make your peace um, rooted in the proper object. And, 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 and that is the peace that passes understanding, which is from Philippians four, seven. We didn't read it. So I feel obligated. Yeah. Um, and the peace of God, Paul's pronouncing this over an encouragement over the Philippians and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, and again, I, I like that, that, that we are guarded by this peace that is, is, uh, that surpasses understanding. Yeah. And, you know, I think to make this very practical, maybe for a moment, since we are being uh, trying to focus especially on the comfort of um, theology, theological comforts, I think, you know, think in your life, a situation perhaps currently that you are experiencing a lack of peace about. Um, because oftentimes we have these things separated in our minds. A piece of passes understanding. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Some good Bible stuff. But man, work is so frustrating right now. I am sick of this person. I'm not, you know, like we don't, we don't put the medicine towards the actual injury. <laughs> and so, um, and so in a situation like this, consider the thing in your life that you're feeling like it is, you know, kind of causing you to not be at peace and realize that there is peace for that in in Christ. You know, realize that God is in is sovereign over that situation um in a way that maybe you can't conceive of immediately, but he is. And that's um I don't know. I was just thinking about that for myself because um to be honest, I was like, oh yeah, the peace that Pass understanding, good stuff. And then inside my head, I was like, "Oh man, I'm so tired about this, uh, such and such work with, um, you know, doing seminary work and all of that." And so I, as I, the thing I realized is, I was like, "Dang, I am thinking about the importance of peace, but I'm not actually trusting in God in that in the specifics of my life." Um, and so that's just my reminder for myself, but also my r- reminder for you guys who are listening. So, yeah. 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 And I think um, to bring it to our concluding thought, I'll, I'll give my own personal example. So to yeah. kind of tie this together, that there's a there's a I think a call and an obligation for us to apply the promises of God accurately, um, to trust that God keeps his promises, um, but don't um, don't ascribe a promise to God that he never made. Um, because if we think God promised me this, and I don't have that, therefore I, I, I'm questioning the promises of God, um, that'll lead us to doubt, and again to uh, to unjustified doubt, uh, and that'll that'll compromise our confidence. That but but we should look at the things that God has actually promised, um, and and look at how He He truly and perfectly does keep those promises, and know that if it is truly promised by God, it will be done. Um, and, and, and that we should, maybe there are things that we want that God has not promised, um, that we can ask for, but if we don't get them, then that's not, uh, that's not an unfaithfulness of God to his promises. That's us expecting something from God that he never promised, which is harmful to us and to God. Um, God promises to preserve those who are his and offers assurance to those who belong to him. Be assured of your faith. Um, Christ promises that he will and is interceding at the God's right hand on your behalf. Um, he is, and that's good and comforting news. Uh, God has promised 
that the truth has set us free and Christ, the capital T truth has set us free. And as he has set us free, we have been freed from all sorts of realities that we struggle with guilt, shame, anxiety, fear, whatever else we've been freed from that. And God has promised to free us from that. And, and no matter the temporal experiencing of that freedom, it is something that we are freed from and being freed from, and we will only ever realize that freedom more. Um, and so, so look to the truth and, and the knowledge uh, that, that you have been set free in Christ. Um, and that, that ultimate freedom trickles down. Look to the promises of God to give peace to his people and know the character of God that grounds our peace that otherwise would be without understanding or be surpassed by understanding. I mean, in my own life, like sometimes it's hard as, as financial realities are kind of dancing the line between viable and not viable <laughs> yeah. um, to, to feel that um, that that I am having God's promises fulfilled in my life, and yet um, God has promised to care for me more than the lilies and the birds, and I have had every need met. Maybe sometimes things weren't or aren't easy. Maybe um, uh, money can be tight, or you we we were without uh, a car for. Uh, we were without a, a second car, which, which we had a car, but we were without a yeah. second car because our car got totaled for months. Um, when I was in college, my family was basically homeless for like three years. Um, and we lived with my grandparents. And yet I have never, ever not had my needs met by Christ. And yeah. um, God doesn't promise that everything will be peaches and daisies and really nice and, and, and that you'll never struggle. But God does promise to meet our needs. And in spite of the struggles that sometimes make me question that promise, I have always only ever had my needs met by God. And so look to the, the things that God promises and be confident in the fact that even though we doubt the promises and faithfulness of God because our experience wants us in our sinful take and understanding of our experience wants us to doubt the promises of God, um, look and see and know that God has kept all of his promises and find assurance and comfort uh, uh, in the theological truths of God's word. Yeah. I was going to say a kind of a, a closing thought I was thinking about was, um, when it comes to the promises of God, sometimes we sort of view it as like the bare minimum. Like God just creaks you along and you know, you don't get a lot of the good stuff, but like God will drag you through. Um, but when we really when we really focus on the promises of God in the Bible, they are immense and, you know, amazing the promise of his love and grace and eternity with him um and the death of his son you know out of merciful love towards us who do not deserve it these are unbelievably great promises um and yeah so maybe um maybe we don't you know yeah maybe we don't get everything we want in this life maybe we do experience hardships and we will experience hardships but realizing how great the promise that is offered to us who are in Christ is, it is, you know, it's, uh, we're not missing much. Um, and in the end, I think we'll find that we weren't missing anything. And um, the things promised and offered by God that are guaranteed and realized are far, 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 far better than the things that we wish that God promised us. Yeah. I would, the, the way I was, the weird way I was thinking about it was sort of like, we're, we're in like the candy line asking God for all of these like chocolate bars and stuff. And he's going to take us out to like a nice steak dinner. And um, it's a weird analogy, but basically the things that we want aren't typically like the things that um, the things that God promises are far better than we could ever imagine them to be. Yeah. And, and so when we have that promise, that is what we cling to and rely on far more than, oh, you know, did God give me the, I prayed for a new uh, such and such. Did God give it to me? You know, like, yeah, not saying it's wrong to pray for that, by the way, but yeah. I'm, I'm just God saying. God delights you know, to give good gifts. Yes. But the things he promised are far better than the things we wish he promised us. Yep, exactly. Even though he may give us the things we wish he promised us. Yep, or he may not, but that's okay. So. Cool. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I think that's it. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we'll be back with uh, Means of Grace uh, uh, Season 7 um, in, in, a, in a little while.
write us your questions or comments or whatever. Send those to, sorry, I got like hiccups. It's It's because you've been chugging that water. I know. Um, (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) You're you're not wrong. Uh, It's either either hiccups or a scratchy throat. Uh, Anyways, send us your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, whatever to um, uh, our email, catechized at gmail.com. C-A-T-E-C-H-I-Z-E-D at gmail.com. Did you um, practice that? That was I did good. not. No, I didn't. That was uh, that was freehand, my friend. Nice. Um, well done. Thank you. Uh, or to our Instagram, which is at catechizedpod. We also have a Twitter. Yeah, we don't really do anything <laughs> on there. Um, maybe we'll pick that up. We're probably not going to. Um, we are still working on the website and the articles. Artic- more articles have been written in preparation for that. Um, yeah. I, it's coming. It'll be... I'm not going to say when because it's all in it. That'll 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 jinx it. Um, but it's coming. Um, uh, yeah. So look, be on the lookout for that. Um, comment, like, or subscribe on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts or both. I don't know both if you want. Um, yeah. And that that always helps us. Share with a friend, family member, or stranger who you think may benefit from this. Um, uh, thank you to our patrons who support us. Thank you to those who support us with prayer with sharing stuff on on social media with sharing the podcast with whatever means you support us we are yeah. we are grateful and and humbled by all of it and appreciate our listeners and those who find this helpful um mm. reach out to us again to let us know what else whatever we could do to make this a, a useful tool for you and others uh ho- hopefully this has been comforting <laughs> that's the whole goal of this episode yeah. We want to be comforting often, but, but this was meant to be specifically so. Comfort, so, comfort my people. Isn't that Isaiah 40? Yes, it's it is. Stuff. Comfort, comfort my people. Oh, man, it's so good. The transition like from, cool. oh, anyways, we're going to get sidetracked. Uh, we go read Isaiah 40. It's great. Yeah. Um, and and then also, uh, catechize your kids. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye. Just a heads up, it will be a little bit longer before we start season seven. Um, John and I both have stuff going on. We'll share a little bit about that, but it may not be until May that we're back with more um, episodes. And uh, we'll try. We're, we're, we're really close um, to have some written content and articles and things for you all to um, kind of bridge the gap between now and when we're back. But uh, we're going to take a little bit longer of a break um, and, and, and then we'll be back in the catechism to kind of finish it out with the last 20 or so episodes. Um, hope this was a good, uh, episode to leave you off on and, uh, we'll see you in a little while. Please keep sending us stuff and email in the meantime.